that's another boundary that people should be setting. Stop consuming content where you know you're going to compare yourself and how you look to how 1% of the population looks. Stop scrolling through TikTok and looking at all of these women, men, whoever it is, and thinking you're lesser than them just on your appearance. If you think about in your day-to-day, no one loves you any less based on how you look. And social media allows us to forget that because it is so in our face all the time. So you have to really set that boundary and almost censor what you consume. Otherwise it can just get to a point where you can't get out of it. It's so hard to get out of it. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure, as always, to have you here listening. If you're new, welcome. I hope you choose to stay for a few episodes and maybe you like it, maybe you don't. And if you're an OG, welcome back. Your support is always, always appreciated. We have a truly phenomenal episode today. I have been so excited to release this ever since I recorded with Amanda Farley of at Amanda Fit Life on Instagram. You know, I didn't have expectations going into the conversation. I try to never have expectations going into a podcast recording because then you never know where the conversation will go. So we just sat down with the intention to have a little chit chat. And I just had this feeling that with how much of an amazing human being she is, We would have an amazing flow and conversation between us. And sure enough, we did. Like I was so just content with how it turned out and I've been so excited to release it. So I guess I want to start out with this question, which is I asked her and that is what has been one of the best parts of recovering for you? And I was reflecting on this question after we recorded and you know, I said there was a few things here and there. I even share a few in the episode. But then the other night I had this experience where I was out with a few of my friends and we were doing dinner. And the one is just, you know, it's just a phase in life she's in right now where she is, you know, counting calories and sort of doing more of the diet culture, you know, actions, I suppose, that I no longer partake in, right? That I am in some sense against, However, one of the best parts of recovering is that I am no longer triggered by that type of talk, which is why I have no problem with her discussing that around me. Do I wish she didn't feel the need to change her body and follow all these, you know, modalities per se? Yes, like I I do wish that she could see just like how beautiful and amazing she is without the need to do these things. However, I know it's not my place to try to control the situation or change her, right? Like I can say things along the way, kind of like whatever, but ultimately like I have to let go of that control I need to help fix or change people in my life. And so instead, you know, A, if I was still triggered by this type of talk, I could remove myself from the situation. I could set a boundary of like, hey, do you mind not talking about that thing around me? Or B, which is the case I'm in now, because of the recovery work I've been doing, and mind you, I'm still in recovery per se, but because of the work I've done, I'm no longer triggered by that type of talk. Sure, does it make me feel kind of like icky? Yeah, because it makes me reflect on all those times when I was doing the same thing. But hearing her discuss like tracking the calories and you know, doing this, I'm not even going to say some of the stuff because I don't want to put it out there for you. But hearing her say all that, like, yeah, it gave me that icky feeling of like, oh, I just wish diet culture didn't, you know, (laughs) didn't make us feel that way. But also I myself felt no inclination to add up the calories in the food I just eaten, even though I easily could have done that, right? I know many of you that are in the same space can relate of how easy it is to slip back into that mindset, but I didn't. You know, and I didn't feel the compulsion to do this after dinner just because, you know, she was going to do that or whatever it was. 
And I know I'm being a little vague here, but I don't want to be putting out words that could cause, you know, harm or give like bad thoughts to some of you that are struggling right now. But the point of this all, <laughs> amidst my rambling, is that one of the best parts of recovering for me has been the realization of like what feels true to me. And I now no longer believe in any being, any ounce of my being, that tracking calories or exercising to compensate for food or labeling foods as good or bad, etc., etc. No ounce of my being believes any truth in those statements or those beliefs. And that is so freeing to know that, yes, I may struggle in some aspects still, but at least I've officially moved past those beliefs that held me back for so, so long. And so that was just a reflection I wanted to share with you all. And maybe that gets you thinking on that in your own life. Maybe it gets you thinking on what's the best part of recovering for you. Uh, nevertheless, I just, you know, hopefully it gets you thinking. And hopefully the rest of this episode with Amanda does as well. We really just go all in. We discuss how she first fell into the spiral of diet culture and disordered eating her own experience with it, and, you know, a reflection on how she was back then compared to how she is now. And this is one of my favorite parts because you get to see the freedom that comes from leaving that type of lifestyle, that type of mentality. We discuss how disordered eating and eating disorders affect and impact relationships with others, as well as how those relationships can also sometimes be the catalyst for change for the better. And sometimes they can bring about harm. And we discuss a friendship that she experienced this with as well. And so overall, it's just such an amazing episode conversation. And I'm excited for you all to listen. So if you do, and if it resonates, if it helps you in any way, please let us know. We would absolutely love to connect. We love people. So please let us know. I'm on there at Emily Vichels. Amanda is on Instagram at Amanda Fitlife. And yeah, hit us up in those DMs, share a screenshot of you listening, send the episode to a friend, uh, or leave a rate and review. Like, let me know, let us both know how this episode hit home with you. Or if there's anything like from it that you'd like to me to continue the conversation on, right? Like if you want me to continue the conversation on relationships and disordered eating or the recovery process, whatever it is, let us know that as well. That being said, I will end my rambling here and let y'all start listening to this episode. So without further ado, let's begin. I don't know, right now the room I'm in to podcast, I don't have my like AC turned on yet or anything and I'm like already sweating. So I know this summer is going to be horrible for me. <laughs> I feel that. I always laugh too because I get like so hot so quickly. I could literally yeah. be on a walk for two minutes and I instantly start sweating and I just run hot. Um so I am always cranking the AC and doing everything I can to stay cool because it's just, I can't take the really, really hot heat and no. like especially humidity. I hate that. Oh yeah. That is like the, my hair gets, oh my, it was so humid here like a week ago and I'm, I waitress on the side and my hair is just like billowing. It was insane. The humidity. I was like, this summer is going to be a train wreck between me yeah. sweating and my hair being a <laughs> ball. <laughs> Welcome to every summer of my life. Who yes. is hot girl summer? We don't know her. <laughs> we don't know her at all. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thank you for taking time for it and everything. I think it'll be just like super fun and relatable one as well. So yeah, I'm really excited. I love sometimes on stories, I get like shy to talk about it, but then like I'll have spurts of like excitement and and like confidence to talk about it but I'm excited to just have like an actual conversation versus talking to my phone yeah um, and I think I I definitely have picked up a lot along the way so I'm excited to just get into that and also hear your own experience much yeah and I feel you I think if there's just something about yeah just talking to your phone that makes it so much more intimidating almost and then like knowing that you have to it's like you're watching yourself speak it and then you have to like put in you don't have to but most of us like put then type out the captions yeah and it just feels like a lot but I feel that's what's like great about this is because obviously videos on now but like the final thing's just audio and it's like at the end of the day you're just listening to two people like share their experiences and thoughts and it's so I find it a lot easier to like share openly via this way than Instagram stories <laughs> I agree and I think too it just helps because like on Instagram stories the conversation is consistently one-sided and like 
while that's great when you're trying to share your story, I think it matters bigger picture to like actually be connecting, relating with someone about it, with others. And at the end of the day, that's all I want to get across with like the content that I'm sharing and the stories that I share, especially related to my eating disorder. I just want to know like it's resonating with someone and kind of waiting for that DM or that comment or someone to be like, oh, like this, I needed this, whatever. Um, it's just, you kind of get that instant gratification talking with someone one-on-one -on -one and knowing like they get it, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like comforting to just be able to be vulnerable and open with someone like that. Yeah. And I mean, it makes you like feel seen and heard and then make like, you know, that other people are then feeling that too. Like if they send you a, you know, a DM or they comment something like that, like it just so goes to show that like, yeah. And it's like a reminder of you're not alone, which yeah. we all know, but it still feels that way so often. Yeah. So it does feel like that. I feel like too, with the pandemic, like there's just been this pressure to feel like connect and like over connect with people so much so that you end up feeling kind of alone. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like getting back to, again, what I was saying, these one-on-one -on -one conversations, because everyone's like busy looking on their phone they're feeling connected to someone on stories who they maybe not even know um but like face to face is definitely my favorite way and I feel like most like myself when I'm able to see someone's reactions see and hear the intonation in their voice all that stuff it just it makes it really special for me yeah I always love that feeling when it's like you said you can spend so long on your phone like feeling as though you're connecting to people on Instagram and sometimes you are like you know we all have like those good friends we've known on there for however long but then like the difference between that and then when you get to have like one conversation with like a good friend or even just an acquaintance someone you just met via video or in person whatever it is like I just always feel I always leave feeling so good and so different and it always reminds me like that's connection right there. Like that's, that's what it's really about at the end of the day. So. I feel that I always feel like rejuvenated almost and like yes. energized instead of like tippy tapping my responses back to everyone. And don't get me wrong. I love again, connecting um, via DMs or comments, like whatever it is, but it's just so much more fulfilling to, and like to hear and see the person and know like this is connecting. Yeah. Connecting oh, one, yeah. On one. <laughs> one on one <laughs> face to face. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to start off, you know, this conversation with the topic that's near and dear to both of our hearts and to so many. And that is just this ever evolving relationship to wellness, diet culture, disordered eating, you know, all these words and experiences we go through. And I wanted to start off on, you know, a more positive note, which is like, what has been one of the best parts of recovery for you? And you know, I'll share one that literally just happened where I had nearly back-to-back -back interviews this morning, um, but I was just craving like mindful movement. And for so long, movement to me meant it had to be grueling 40, 50 minute plus exercises that just like killed me. And I had to sweat a certain amount and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like to the point where I can do 10, 15 minutes of like, what does my body need? And I'm just like ready to go. And I understand that it's for my energy and mental health and so many more things besides just a physical body. And so that's like one example of what has been so great about recovery for me. So I'd love if you could just share like an example or two that have just really like changed your life per se, you know, since you've really yeah. started on this journey. Yeah. I feel like the example that you even shared yourself, I really relate to. I know in the thick of my eating disorder and exercise obsession, um, a workout wasn't a workout unless it was an hour and a half or unless I was dripping sweat and I was so tired that like I had to take a nap after. Um, a workout was never yoga or never just a walk. Like it had to be super intense physical movement to the point where like I was breaking my own body and not actually enjoying what I was doing. It was like autopilot was on. Um, so I would agree with you that that's like the one most positive thing that's come out of recovery, uh, developing a healthier relationship with exercise. And then with food for me, I, after struggling with orthorexia, anorexia and bulimia, um, it got to a point where like I was eating by myself, like isolating myself from my family, um, finding excuses to say no to friends asking me to go out to eat or like even really big events in my life. I remember the day I graduated from high school, I wasn't even excited for my graduation. I was hyper-focused on the dinner that my family and I were going out to for in the evening. 
and I forced myself to run a lot of miles in the morning just to like earn the dinner in the afternoon. Um, I didn't eat the entire day. So like it's things like that where I can actually say I'm able to be mindful with what I'm eating. I'm able to be mindful with how I'm exercising or not exercising and that being okay. Um, and then also being able to like physically, mentally, and emotionally be present. That's been my biggest, um, win of recovery because for so long, I felt like I was so MIA in my own body. Um, and I was quite literally missing out on life. Um, which sometimes I get like choked up thinking about even now. Um, and I beat myself up about it, but then I remind myself, you're not in it anymore. You're trying to be as present as possible. And like, literally take advantage of every day because life is so short as cliche. And as many times that people have said that, um, that for me has been the most special. And like, I, at this point, I'm just trying to make up for time that I feel like I lost and I'm not going to waste another day, like hyper-focused on controlling what I eat, controlling how I move. I'm just going to be and do, um, life in a way that makes me happy, regardless of like how I look in terms of like food and exercise. That was a long ramble, but like, no, that was pretty much one of the most beautiful intros we've ever had to an episode. Like, I'm not just saying that. Um, I like, I just got chills because I near exact same experience for my graduation day, you know, um, just like everything you just said there is so resonates and hits so deeply. And I think that, right. That's like the magic of sharing these stories is that so many people probably just said like, yeah, yeah, that that was me or that is me. And, you know, it can be so easy to get like washed up in those feelings of like, that was wasted time or like, you know, really getting down on yourself for it. But I always try to remind myself and I'm sure you've, you know, thought the same thing. It's like, we all go through like our own shit. Like we all, like if that hadn't happened, something else would have, right. Like it's, it's just part of this like plan for our life. And it's something that like helps us to grow. And, you know, what you said there about just feeling like being so MIA in your body. I mean, experiences like those, you know, whether it's any form of addiction or trauma or, you know, just a hard experience you go through, like it can be very easy to kind of fall into like this shell of yourself. Right. And feel that just that sense of like lost confusion you know, just not even present. And I think that one of like the greatest gifts you can do is like give yourself is like allowing yourself to be present again, which it sounds like you are right. Like that saying of like every day, live every day to the fullest, or, you know, you'll never have today again, like, okay, but really true. Like really, really true. So true. And I think too, with like you were saying, anyone struggles, whatever situation they're in eating disorder or not, I almost feel like you can often find comfort in that struggle. Um, I know for me, like I got so comfortable with my eating disorder that it made it even more uncomfortable to like break the routine, break the unhealthy habits because I was so just comfortable and set in stone with how I was living my life. Um, being on the other side of it now, like, and I'm sure you can relate to, you don't realize how uh, toxic and twisted the things that you were doing and forcing your body, your mind, everything to kind of go through. You don't realize just how messed up that was um, because you were finding such, such comfort in it. But now, like you're saying, being able to be on the other side, actually enjoy each day to the fullest and make sure you're not holding back anymore. Um, that's what makes it all really special to me. And it sounds like we're on the same page there. Oh, yes. 110%. And whatever I think it's you know hindsight is 2020 or that's either right or I'm completely butchering the saying but (laughs) just that complete idea of yeah I mean you can't know what you don't know in the moment and if you're not if if, you know you're not shaken or if you're not if you don't have your eyes opened to what is happening you know or what you're doing or living in then like yeah it's a a cycle like you just keep going with it and it takes something externally or something internally or a combination of both more often than not to really like break that cycle and give you that like epiphany moment of wow like what's happening here I feel that and I think too that epiphany moment like and I've kind of come to this uh thought process after talking with a number of other women that have 
struggled with an eating disorder, I feel like a lot of times that epiphany is actually like a complete crumbling and breaking point of everything. Um, I know I hit rock bottom and like I hit it hard. It was after I had relapsed, I had to move home from being on campus in college because it was just continuing to progress in such an unhealthy way. And even then, it still took me a couple of years to hit rock bottom, but you truly, I feel, can't recover until you have hit the bottom. And like, you know, in your mind, while it might be scary and uncomfortable, the thought of recovery and like changing what you know in terms of an eating disorder, like, you know, you want to do that as far as it might be to get there. Um, that's my thought process. And I always struggle when talking with others online that are asking me how I recovered, how I, how I got through that initial like breaking of the eating disorder and making your way into recovery. It's, it varies from person to person, but I genuinely feel like you have to hit rock bottom in order to start working upwards and truly recovering. Otherwise there's a really big possibility for relapse or the continuation of the struggle. And I just, I know that rock bottom for me was like my breaking point and my epiphany all in one. Right. I mean, like it's pretty much, you have to break something down to build it back up. You have to lose yourself to find yourself. I mean, sure. There are circumstances where that may not apply, but I think more often than not once more, it's yeah. Like when you see the depths of just how low you can go and you hit that rock bottom, you hit the breakdown, you completely lose yourself. Like nothing motivates you more to get back from that place. And also it serves as that reminder because I think, you know, that is part of the overall awareness and the overall of breaking the cycle and moving forward is like having that reminder of like how bad it could be if you don't continue to do the work, because it's hard. Like, I don't think people give enough credit to how hard this work can, can feel. And that's not to scare people away. That's just to be like, honest, you know, like, it's just like with most things in life. I mean, you've really got to like, put commitment in or find that intrinsic motivation versus external motivation to really, you know, commit to it. And I'm just curious, like, was there anything else with your, you know, between besides hitting rock bottom, or maybe it was just how extremely hard of a rock bottom this was for you that really like helped you stay committed to the recovery process after you had, you know, previously relapsed in a sense? Yeah, it was a combination of things. I feel like a big one for me was my family and my mom, especially she, when I first recovered in high school, I quite literally couldn't even, um, put together my own meals in recovery because I was still, I don't want to say at risk, but I just had to give up that control in order to start recovering. So she was the one making all of my meals for me every single day, making sure that I wasn't, um, doing too much in terms of exercise, making sure that I actually was eating what was put in front of me. So for me, after I relapsed the second time, um, knowing that I was again, putting my family and my mom through that pain again, really hurt my heart as corny as it sounds. Um, and of course, no one ever develops an eating disorder because they want to hurt someone. It just is the byproduct of the eating disorder. Um, so while I knew I was hurting her and my other family members at the same time, it was just this balancing of like, well, I still want to have control over my food. I still want to have control over my exercise, but I don't want to keep hurting them. And I felt like I was being pulled in both directions. Um, so keeping my family in the back of my mind to answer your question did kind of push me through the second round of recovery. And then I also just felt like I literally hadn't lived my life. Um, I didn't feel like I had much to show besides straight A's in school and showing up to classes and yeah, I was perfect with my exercise and my eating, but like, what else was I doing with my life? So that kind of hit me one day and I was just like, I'm so sick of living the same life and not actually enjoying all that is out there. So once I had that realization, that was like another push for me to be like, wake up, Amanda, it's time for something to change. And otherwise you're going to keep on missing out. And that, that thought almost scared me to the point of like, no matter how scary recovery is again, like the thought of missing out more is scarier. 
I love that. And I feel like that's a prime example of having both like external and internal motivation because right, like on the outside, it was like, you really did not want to hurt these people you love anymore. And I think that's something that a lot of people can agree to, you know, whether it's family or chosen family, friends, a partner, whatnot, your cat. No, I don't know. Um, And then, (laughs) and then, you know, that internal moment when you realized like, what is my life right now? Right. Like, what do I have to show? What have I done for myself? Like what is happening here? And so it's like, I think that that's such a part of it, right? Like having that desire to change for others can only get you so far. Like there comes a point where you do have to make the choice for yourself. And I I think that's, you know, what it sounds like you had in that moment. Yeah. It's kind of like, even in a relationship, like Mm -hmm. say you have a partner that you want to change, you can try to force that change as much as you want, but it's always going to come down to the partner bringing the change upon themselves. Very similarly with an eating disorder, it's a matter of more intrinsic, I think, motivation and clarity and strength to push through more of the hardships of recovery while also counting on extrinsically friends, family support, all of that, like leveling up to recovery is worth it. Recovery is possible. And like, this is what's going to get me through recovery. Oh yeah. And you know, on that note with relationships, even like, did you ever have this entire journey or experience like impact a close, you know, obviously I think a lot of us can understand how it impacts family. Right. But like when it came to friendships or even like romantic relationships, like how did you see it sort of impacting that or like the world's colliding in a sense in a, you know, maybe not so great way. Yeah. I have two really good examples. My boyfriend, obviously he was the one and I actually met him my sophomore year of college and, or junior year, junior year of college. And, um, meeting him, it was like the kind of like the first guy that I was genuinely interested in. And I got all of the corny butterflies and all that jazz. And like, then came the fear of like, Oh, what if he wants to go out to eat? Oh, what if like, he wants to go do something spontaneous, but I have to make sure I get my workout. in. it was like thoughts like that, where I realized just how much my eating disorder was inhibiting me from living my life. Um, he definitely, I feel like was kind of the final push towards getting out of my eating disorder. I met him as I was already coming in back into life, I guess you could say, but he pushed me along and being with him forced me to like, want to be truly present and like, enjoy the newness of a relationship and enjoy the spontaneity and all that comes with the area of a relationship. So that's like my one example. And then I feel like another one was my best friend. She in high school was kind of just like, you're not you anymore. And I love you, but like, this isn't healthy at all. And until you get the help that you need, like, I got to take a step back. And that was after quite literally like a year of trying to get me to see what was going on. So I can understand being on the other side of it now, how exhausting emotionally and mentally that is to constantly be wanting someone to change, but they're not changing. Um, so she kind of like, I don't want to say gave me an ultimatum, but just again, put it in perspective, how much damage I was causing and not only to myself, but like those around me. Oh, I love that. I think that's so beautiful because I mean, with both examples, but especially with the friend, because, you know, I've definitely had those types of people in my life, but I'd say more often than not, I've actually came across friends, coworkers, acquaintances, where either they don't experience this or they are, but they, you know, they, they don't see it for themselves, et cetera. And so I feel like I'm constantly on the other side of where it's like, I almost have to set a boundary in place with them. Right. And I'm curious, like if you've ever had that experience where, you know, maybe it's an old friend, a new friend, coworker, acquaintance, and it just reaches a point where it's like, they're doing more harm than good in a sense, you know, maybe they're talking about diets 24 seven or body comparison or what have it be, I guess, you know, have you experienced that? And, you know, if so, how did you sort of work through that with them? Yeah, I think that's another really great question and kind of something when it comes to the area of eating disorders, like 
if you have two friends, for example, that are both struggling, it can almost fuel both eating disorders more. Um, and I had a friend just like that, and I'm sure if she listens to this, she'll know who she is, but um, we were both probably at our lowest at the same time. And it was almost like we were competing with each other who could run the most miles, who could eat the least today, who could, whatever the, the rule was, um, we competed, but it wasn't in like a mean sense either. It was just like, oh, I did this today. Oh, great job. You did this today. Like kind of cheering each other on in a very toxic mm -hmm. manner. Um, and I think we both got to a point where we were like, this is just not healthy anymore. Like we are digging a deeper hole and we ended up stopping, uh, talking for a bit, probably about a year. And then I made my way through recovery. She made her way through yours and we came back to each other. Um, she actually lives in the area and we came back, had this like coming together moment and we're just genuinely happy with each other's and our recovery. Um, and realized that that boundary, had we not set that boundary, who knows like where we would be in terms of recovery now. Um, cause we were just fueling each other so, so poorly and toxically. Yeah, no. And I think that's such a great, you know, point and story to reference because right. Like that almost is the, it's a part of diet culture. I feel right. Like to have a buddy system or the accountability, right? And for some people, maybe it is they have someone else they do that exact thing with. Or for others, I feel like they that's how they feel with um, right, like the tracking apps or fitness pal or Apple Watch, even, right? Like it's that way to it, it just fuels, right? Like the disordered actions or habits or thoughts. Um, and it can be really hard, you know, if it's a person to, you know, either either let them go for that moment in your life or to separate for a while. Um, and the same goes for, right, like Apple Watch or Fitness Pal. Like, it's not easy to like give something up like that when it's been holding you, quote unquote, accountable or when it's, you know, like a validation, right? Like it's a source of validation for you. So I, I always know that's something people struggle with a lot as well is giving up those sources of, yeah, I guess validation when it comes down to it. Validation, security blankets, a mm. lot of times like crutches I feel like another great example is honestly Instagram or even TikTok now like that is such a both our spaces especially TikTok where it can fuel such comparison um especially and with women uh I remember in my freshman year of college I ended up writing a paper on like the impact that social media has on women and the tie to eating disorders and it's really scary I don't remember anything that I wrote but obviously we all know social media fuels comparison, can fuel diet culture, can fuel all that negative um, self-worth and, and body shame kind of behavior. And I think that's another boundary that people should be setting. Stop consuming content where you know you're going to compare yourself and how you look to how 1% of the population looks. Stop scrolling through TikTok and looking at all of these women, men, whoever it is, and thinking you're lesser than them just on your appearance. And think about in your day-to-day, -day, no one loves you any less based on how you look. Mm -hmm. And social media allows us to forget that because it is so in our face all the time. So you have to really set that boundary and almost censor what you consume. Otherwise it can just get to a point where you can't get out of it. It's so hard to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, you're like, we're both obviously on social media and I agree completely and fully where it's so easy to get caught up right in these accounts you follow because even if you know they're not intending to do harm it's hard when you're seeing someone's quote-unquote best angle or right like their best photo their best moment and that's all you see right like you don't see the behind the scenes of when they sit down and like their jeans you know their yep. stomach bubbles over their jeans or their thighs you know spread out or you know their stretch marks or any of these you know just natural body marks and phenomenas we all have and so I don't know has there been anything in particular that helped you you know just sort of like come to peace with that or I don't know, sort of like make your feed and what content you're taking in more intentional. I'm just curious if there's anything you did to really help hone in on like creating really a sacred space mm -hmm. as much as you can through yeah. your account. I love that question. I think 
for me, it came down to limiting content that I saw um, that made me feel less. So like think of the Instagram models or even food accounts where like I'd compare what they were eating to what I was eating and thinking, oh, I'm eating too much. Like, no, everybody is different and everyone needs different variations of food um, every day. So like it came down to monitoring what I was consuming. And then I also got to a point where I was so frustrated with myself for only showing the best parts of my life and like the most curated parts. Sure. I've always shared my eating disorder journey. Um, but I started to just feel like I was even not glamorizing, but just not sharing the most vulnerable raw version of my story. And I wanted to make sure my content like was basically practicing what I was preaching. Um, so I've started to share stuff that like asked me a year ago, would I have shared it? Probably not, but being vulnerable, taking that comfortability blanket off and just kind of sharing what feels right in the moment is what I'm trying to focus on now, rather than always trying to be the aesthetically pleasing curated feed that I think everyone glamorizes on Instagram. Yeah, no, it takes, I just had a friend actually have to remind me of that exact thing, right? Like it's very hard to be vulnerable and to be authentic in a world that is so glamorized and so, you know, filtered. And I don't know, you know, there are times where it can be easy, right? And then there are times where it is really fucking hard. And um, I don't know though, it just always amazes me how, you know, in those moments when you can share so vulnerably and authentically, like, you know, we were talking earlier about connection and how, you know, it varies online versus in person, et cetera. But there's something to be said about when you can share so authentically, so vulnerably that it does bring about a new sense of connection, which is that feeling of like, oh, me too, right? Like I'm not alone. Like you experience this, I experience this, all these other people commenting or, you know, sharing whatever, like experience it too. And um, yeah, I just know like the other day you posted a photo or like a video explanation and then photos of like jeans not fitting, right? And like, that's something I have, I remember the first time I shared my struggle with that. It was last year and it was so scary. And it's gotten to the point now where like, I share that multiple times because it's something like I'm still working through, but I also know that like hiding it isn't helping anybody, you know? No, I agree with that completely. And I think that's like the waking up point that I had as well, just being like, I can continue to make strides in my relationship with my body, with food, with exercise, whatever it is. And can pretend I have it all together on Instagram through my filtered frames, or I can share my good days. I can share my bad days, everything in between and continue on this journey while inviting others to relate to it, to share their own stories, um, connect like we were talking about earlier. I think ripping off that bandaid and sharing the good and the bad is not easy, but at the end of the day, it's worth it because everyone wants to feel like they're not alone. And by opening up the good and the bad, you're just opening up the pool of people that will relate, that will feel heard, that will feel seen versus the good is great, but people want to know that you're not perfect. And that's why I try to continue to share both sides of it because I am so not perfect. I don't have my shit together. And I never want to make it seem like I do because everyone's going to just have their ebbs and their flows. And it's, it's so, so key to share that because we being humans will compare otherwise to everyone's good day, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, right? Is it's, we obviously know it's like easy to compare to these huge accounts, right? That we don't have any actual connection to. But then it comes into a factor, you know, even like close friends that you follow, you know, whether that's online or in person, right? Like comparison is such a real thing. And I don't know, it's, it can just have so many emotions attached to it as well. And I, I think there's something to be said about building, you know, that self-confidence of, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to share all sides of the photo here, you know, all sides of what's happening here. And there's just something to be said about like, I don't know. I feel like when you put yourself out there like that, it can help lessen that comparison, not only with like those far off accounts, but even with like 
close friends, you know, or loved ones or people in your day-to-day life? 100% agree. And I think the first time doing it is always the scariest. And then the more you continue to do it, I think the more you see um, the positive impact that comes with sharing something that you may perceive as negative. Um, At the end of the day, like you said, everyone just wants to feel related to, and that's what you can get by being vulnerable and sharing your own struggles on a space where everything else seems so perfect. Yeah. You know, as we're on this topic of Instagram and the post, right. And just this back and forth between the curated side and the more real side, um, there is like a whole other component to this, which is, you know, the food side of things. Right. And we both share food. We both share recipes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, that's where like these type of accounts started. Right. Um, with many different types of intentions behind them. So I'm just curious, like, how have you sort of worked through that relationship with food, you know, while being in a space that's so saturated, you know, with labels and good and bad and, you know, trends, and maybe this was part of clearing out your feed. I'm not sure, but how have you been able to just really like, I don't know, follow that, like, kind of intuitive eating sense of things instead of getting so wrapped up in that food culture that is health, wellness, and, you know, a major part of society nowadays. Yeah. I think, I feel like everyone's kind of struggling with that piece right now because it is such a area of social media where like everything seems to have a label. Everyone seems to be eating a certain way. If it's not gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, blah, 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 free, like I don't want it. For me, I had to remove all food labels, all ideas that one food was better than another and there were good foods and bad foods, like all that had to be removed. And I had to quite literally go back to like the basics of eating and the basics of food and be like, I'm hungry. What do I want? I'm going to make something that intuitively like I am in the mood for um, that will also satiate me. And it doesn't matter if it's like a gluten-free tortilla versus a regular tortilla, or if the cake is dairy-free or not, like stripping away all of those labels and starting at the basics. So then I could build back up my relationship with food and how to learn to eat again, because I was so far removed from normal hunger cues what is normal food? Like even normal, I don't like calling food normal because it has a label, like just eating, learning to eat again, learning to um, stop when I'm full, learning to not be scared of food because it's not 100% clean. So stuff like that, I just had to go back to the basics and within the space now it can be kind of tough because I feel very conflicted with loving and consuming recipes by friends, by other creators that maybe include labels like that. Like, of course I want to support my people. Um, but personally, whatever food content I'm putting out there, I'm trying to be mindful that nothing has to be a certain way in order to be consumed. Food is food at the end of the day, and we should be eating it for nourishment, for enjoyment, um, to connect with others. And like, that's at the root, what I'm trying to do with the food content that I share now. I love that. And I wanted to ask because I, you're one of the people that I really admire for that. Um, I'm very similar to you where I have so many close friends, acquaintances, you know, that or people I even work with and they do still, you know, label or define food. And I understand, I see where they're coming from. Thankfully, you know, that doesn't trigger me per se, but it is hard to, you know, day by day take in that content and I love that you know you and there's a few others have really moved away from those labels or defining food and at the end of the day it's like I see you're like what was it It was like the lemon basil pasta or something you know it's like I'll see some food I'm like that just looks good right and I'm not thinking like automatically like oh yeah that's dairy free I could eat it or oh yeah that's this so I can't eat it I'm just saying like that's some really fucking good looking pasta (laughs) you know like it's it's like just taking food down to the core and intuitively picking up on like instead of thinking like all the many thoughts of like I can't I can't eat that I can't eat this you know I I want this but I should eat that it's just like seeing a photo of food or seeing food and being like I want that like I want pasta I want cake 
I want a salad, whatever. And just like, because it's what you crave and what you want versus, you know, having all the conflicting thoughts of shoulds and labels and defining factors per se. I love that. And I think that's like, when I see comments where people ask, can I make a substitute for tapioca flour? Like, I don't even know all the flowers out there anymore. Cause I really do try to like go down to the basics and whatever I have available in my cabinet, that's what I'll make the recipe with. It just makes me sad when I see someone asking, can I substitute it with this? I don't know. I haven't tried it. You can go ahead and try it, but let me know. And I hope in those instances they're asking because it's an allergy, like mm-hmm. a genuine allergy or food um, issue and not because they're scared of whatever that ingredient is. But being that I was once that person asking for substitutions, asking or forming recipes that were all 100% clean. Like I know there are other people out there that are asking because maybe they're stuck in their own realm of food labels. So I think just like you said, stripping food down to literally just being food, seeing a picture of it, that looks delicious. I want to make that and I'm going to make it as the recipe says, like that's beautiful. And that's how food is meant to be um, consumed and made and enjoyed because life is too short. Life is so short. And I don't want to look back when I'm 80 years old and say, I ate so fucking clean my entire life. I ate gluten-free, I ate dairy-free. I never indulged in like a French crepe with, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know that I enjoyed like all of the food pleasures in life. And I didn't just focus on being perfect with my food labels all the time. Oh yeah. And it's similar to that comment thing. I am a waitress and I see this every day where, you know, I have the people that have legitimate allergies and they're like, okay, I can't have gluten. Can we make these subs? You know, and I have to ask, you know, is this an actual allergy in case of cross-contamination? But the amount of people that are, you know, they're like no bun for me, or I ask, you know, fries or salad. And they're like, oh, I'll be good. I'll take the salad. And like, I just, I don't say anything. I'm like, why? And then you know, people order the fries. I'm like, hell's yes. Like, you know, go for it, get it. And like, there's just so many instances just in that moment where I'm seeing these people's minds spin. Right. And I'm like, it's just in those moments. I just want to say so badly, like if you're craving the fries, if you want the fries, like get the fucking fries, like you're not going to be satiated if you offer the salad. And then there are times where you're craving the salad, like whatever it be, but it's just been crazy to me in like food service to see people, you know, really just so, so, so overanalyze, overthink and really restrict on these choices. And it opened my eyes to how I was doing that. Right. Um, And then similar to what you said, also like working in service, the people I work with are such big foodies, but they're here for the food. Like they don't do labels. They don't do anything. And so hearing them talk about these restaurants or these French crepe, like whatever, like the fancy fun foods. And it's like, I want to eat those. Like I want to try those. And it doesn't matter if they have gluten, dairy, you know, they're made with ingredients. I don't know. I don't care. Like I want that experience of like these foods and like to just live. And so I so, so relate and love that you, you know, have that going with your page as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think too, just like, if you look at any world renowned chefs or like, think of Anthony Bourdain, my boyfriend and I have been watching his special, um, a lot recently. And like, I watch it now and wow, that looks fucking amazing. Like I want to go travel around the world and eat all that stuff. Like he never sat there and was like, um, excuse me, is yeah. this you know, like it's truly enjoying food for what it is and leaving it at that because we're the ones that are complicating our own relationships with food and ruining the enjoyment that there is in food, um, all in one. So just take it back to the basics and let it be food and then eat what you are craving, eat what you're in the mood for, stop when you're full. Like it's crazy that we were once children that knew to eat when we were hungry, mommy, I'm hungry, stop when we're full. And that was the beginning and end. And now we've twisted it around to eating based on time, eating based on food labels, eating based on whatever. And food is just food and that's all it should be. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen, yeah. <laughs> now I'm hungry. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
well, we've had, you've just given so much great advice and, you know, personal wisdom experience in this episode already, but if you just had any sort of lingering last advice, you know, words of wisdom, a thought for people to think on um, before leaving, you know, whether they're in the beginning of their journey already in it, or maybe, you know, they're just struggling with a few thoughts here and there. Right. Um, I just like, I guess, just what would you, what would you say to them in that moment? Oof, loaded question. I feel like I would definitely say to get out of your own head, um, to start because you're the one that's causing the spiraling and you're the one that's convincing yourself that I need to do X, Y, and Z to, in order to be perfect, or I'll be happy if I lose 10 pounds. Like there is no happiness like that. You find your, the happiness within, within yourself as you are. So I would just say, remind yourself of that every day. Affirmations, some people think are corny, but I think that if we've trained our minds to believe all the negative things that we think about ourselves, all the flaws that we think we see, why can't we shift that mindset to be positive? Why can't we have those affirmations that make us feel good and we actually start to believe them? Um, so I would just say a combination of kind of taking a step back and having a little bit of perspective while also reminding yourself of the good rather than harping on the bad. And then I think to just talk to someone like it's becomes more real when you address it and say it out loud. And then you're able to go through the process of coping, healing, whatever it is you're struggling with talking to someone um, and putting it out there. So then it's not just on you to figure out, you can build a support system and you can build a group of people that like genuinely want the best for you and will help you get to a spot where you feel like yourself again, you feel happy again. Um, there's like a lot of other things I would say, mm-hmm. too, but I feel like the bare, the bare minimum, it would be those. I love that. And I hundred percent agree with that. There is so powerful to write out or even more so speak out a thought, you know, regarding what we've discussed here. Like it will definitely open your eyes at least somewhat, if not immensely to like, did I just say that out loud? Or, you know, like, is this an actual thought and not in a shame way, just in a like, wow, that's intense. That's deep. So I, I love that you brought that point up as well. Um, well, thank you overall for just such an amazing conversation and where can people connect, learn more, follow along, follow me along at Amanda FitLife on IG. Um, and then from there you can get all of my little blog posts, TikTok, all that jazz, but Amanda FitLife on IG is like the main one, (laughs) all the fun stuff. (laughs) 